right now, without LeBron, Lakers are, are struggling. Let me tell you about a team I hate, all right? I know the Dallas Cowboys fan is here, so I had to make sure he knew how much I hate this Oh, team. I'm ready. I've often said that the people who run baseball, they try very hard to ruin it. I'm from Brooklyn. I don't have a problem saying it to his face. Oh, Brooklyn. Hey, isn't he? what is going on it's another tuesday night back with the big three uh we have some okay we have some interesting topics going on you know we have some breaking news that happened just before we came on that we'll get into across the nba sure you guys have heard about it and uh it's gonna be some some interesting reactions i would say uh but before we get into all that what's up everybody in the chat i see juries in here got john in here What's up? But uh Brett, how you doing? Uh to be honest, I, I don't know. I think that's the right <laughs> answer right now is I have no clue how I'm doing quite yet. <laughs> I mean, look, in a few moments we'll get into the topic that's got you feeling that way and we'll let you kind of hash it out live for everybody. Uh but Jake, how are you doing? You know, I'm doing great. It's been a fantastic weekend of football, really good games. We had three of the four games were just fantastic. Uh, and the, mm-hmm. the game that wasn't good was close at halftime. So really good football, some exciting trades. Uh, again, only bummer is like we got uh, three games left for football and then it's a long off season. But otherwise, I'm doing great and glad to be here for the show. All right. Well, I mean, look, you got UFL coming up. XFL, USFL merger. I guess that'll hold you over until well, that'll probably take you up to like N- NBA playoffs and you know, it'll be all right. I mean, it, it will be crazy not having football after it seemed like it just came back, but uh, that's the NFL schedule. Yep, happens every but, year. I know it's crazy. Let's go to 20 games season. Why not? Um, but Brett, we're, we're gonna start with the topic that, that's got you so. I don't know. Mentally torn right now. So the Bucks, probably somewhat of a surprise, fired Adrian Griffin. It's not like they're the Hornets or something. They're 30 and 13. Apparently that wasn't good enough. You know, maybe there's some behind the scenes stuff that led to Adrian Griffin losing his job. But Brett, since you are the Bucks fan, I'll start with you. How surprised were you by this move? Uh, very. I was actually in, uh, I was eating lunch at McDonald's with my roommate when this news just dropped. We were having a NFL conversation and then I just kind of saw my phone and I was mind blown. Um, I'm not sure how to feel about this, right? It depends who we bring in to replace him because I feel like the Bucks really screwed the pooch on this one. 
And what I mean by that is I don't necessarily think Griffin is a bad coach, but he's inexperienced, and it almost seemed like the Bucks fired Bud without having somebody lined up, which is kind of backwards of what I think they should have done. If they're going to get rid of Bud, they should have had somebody lined up who they know is an upgrade. But they almost just fired Bud, and then there's like, oh, wait a minute, now we got to find a new coach. Overall, Jory kind of nailed it. I That's what I heard. It's something happened internally, like, it wasn't great behind the scenes. Heard stories of that all the way back in November. Things were chaotic. So surprised. Yeah, I thought he would survive the year. Is it a total shock? No. And how I'm going to feel about this, it really depends on if they signed uh, anybody but Doc Rivers. I'll be happy. <laughs> I mean, yeah. You know, Doc Rivers has been on what, TNT. Was it ESPN? Sorry, so he's been right there in the forefront. I, I don't know. Doc Rivers has the reputation of, you know, being a good coach for, I guess, a veteran team. I guess that would be their driving force. But um, I mean, Jake, how surprised were you to hear Griffin get dismissed? Yeah. Thirty and thirteen start. I was surprised. Like I know I'd heard rumblings that. The Bucks, they weren't super happy. There was some uh, – Giannis has been very vocal about how he's been feeling with the team performance and everything, and I get that. I wasn't expecting them to fire their coach. Uh, kind of like what Jory said, has to be due to some internal uh, disagreements or whatever. And I think one thing that really hurt this team is before the season started, Terry Stotts was brought in as an assistant coach from the Portland Trailblazers, and he, he quit before the season started. And I think – the Milwaukee brought him in as an assistant coach to really help bring him on. Look, he wasn't the best coach in Portland, but he was a pretty good coach in, in Portland. And I think that loss really, really hurt him. Uh, it just depends who they break in. You can't bring in Doc Rivers. I, I'm not a believer in Doc Rivers. I, I feel like that 08 Celtics team has some has greatly magnified the level of coach that he is historically. He's a good coach, but I've also seen him lose locker rooms. I saw uh, the the Utah Jazz, who's my team, when the Clippers, when they played each other, and Doc Rivers was a coach, get completely outcoached by Quinn Snyder when uh, Gordon Hayward was out with a stomach issue and Rudy Gobert was hurt. Like, their two best players were out, and he, Snyder just coached circles around them. I just don't – I don't think that's the best move. I don't know who they go to, uh, and I hope it works out. I like the Bucks. I love Giannis, uh, but I was completely surprised that they actually went with it and not having a good, clear replacement from what we can tell. Don't do Doc Rivers. Please, no. just don't. I like my 3-1 <laughs> lead. Yeah, please don't. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like the, the, the craziest thing with the story was this seemed like a Giannis guy. You know, remember the whole offseason with the uncertainty about Giannis, and it seemed like this is the guy they wanted. They got him, and that's like, oh, everything was good in Milwaukee, and now 43 games in, He's out. And I almost think of it as, you know, yes, he's inexperienced. And I feel like the Celtics kind of went through this with uh, Joe Mazzulla last season where he was inexperienced. We saw a lot of his flaws play on in front of everybody. A lot of people question his ability to do it. And the Celtics went and got really good assistance to help him. Sam Cassell uh, was a Charles Lee who they got from the Bucks staff. And I feel like Mazzulla has been better this year. I, I mean, I felt like the Bucks could have wrote it out with Griffin, let him figure things out. But um, if it was stuff behind the scenes that was like, um, 
to the point where it was like broken relationships with players and stuff like that, then I get it. You know, you can't have an an unhappy Giannis because he might just walk or something. So looking at the fact that Doc is the leading candidate to replace him, apparently, who would you like to see get the job? I mean, John put out there that Doc Rivers, Kenny Atkinson, David Fisdale, possible top three choices. Is there another name you'd like to see get this job? I mean, John put my name out there. I'd love to see Kenny Atkinson get another shot. I thought he did really well with that Brooklyn team, and it just seemed like it, it seemed like he had them running really well. It just seemed like he didn't really get along with Kyrie, Katie, and the superstar. So he was he was gone. But overall, that that was kind of the name I looked at right away. And uh, David Fisdale wouldn't be bad either. But I, I'm I like Kenny Atkinson. Okay. I mean, I thought I Kenny I, would be I, great. I yeah, I thought he was good with the Nets as well. I mean, what coach would really get along with Katie, Kyrie, and Harden? I, mean, I don't even know if Phil Jackson could handle this. No one. Three. I mean, you agree, uh, Jake, that Atkinson would be a good one? I, I do. I, I think Kenny Atkinson's probably the, the top hire. If I was the GM, that's who I'd go for. Him, I like Fizdale. I think he'd be really good. But Kenny Atkinson. I just remember the way that he got that Brooklyn team to perform before mm -hmm. uh, Durant and all those guys got there. That team did not have a whole lot of talent, but they were competitive in the playoffs. They played really hard. They had a lot of attention to detail. And that seems to be the things that Giannis wants and focusing on defense, which his team desperately needs. Uh, I think he's the best hire. If they don't go after him, at least try to pursue him, then there's something wrong with management because he's the most qualified. And I think I'd rather have... Fizdale will probably be my second option of available uh, assistants or coaches to take that spot. I mean, look, Doc Rivers, yes. The 08 Celtics run has definitely helped his co coaching career. The what coach of the year with the Magic, I feel like has, has really helped him out as well. Uh, watch it be a trade end up with Tom Thibodeau. I mean, if you get <laughs> Doc, you might, as well get, you might as well get Thibodeau with him. But <laughs> Uh, I mean, I think Thibodeau is actually a pretty good no, coach. Thibodeau would be tough to have. it's a raw deal in New York. I mean, yeah, you're not going to make a trade for him, but I, I like Thibodeau as a coach, but uh, I agree with you. I think Atkinson would be a would be a good hire. What's up, Gene? I guess it'll depend on who does Giannis want. I, yes, I think we can all agree, Gene. He would be a bad, bad's understatement. understatement. Uh, so Giannis wanted Doc Rivers. Do you think the organization would tell Giannis no? No. Uh, no. no, they wouldn't, but that would be a terrible move. It, Doc just misses the X's and O's so much, right? Like, go back and look at that series that he blew against the Clippers when he was with Denver. I'm watching Nikola Jokic cook Montrez Harrell, and pretty much anybody who can slightly dribble a basketball cook Montrez Harrell and attack the rim. And Doc calls a timeout and then trots Montrez back out there and just proceeds to watch him get cooked for the next five minutes. That 08 title didn't just aid his career. It has carried his career. Oh, yeah. And that team was – that team probably could have coached itself and won a title on accident at that point. Overall, yeah. I don't I don't really like Tibbs either just because his teams tend to flame out in the second round because he plays himself. 
Yeah, Tits will play his stars like 42 minutes a night every night. Yeah, yeah so that's definitely. So we get to the postseason and everybody's tired or injured. He's old school. That's old school. He's old school. Yeah. No, look, Tim would be, or sorry, Thib would be way better than, than Doc Rivers. But again, Thibodeau just plays his games like he's playing 2K with the fatigue meter turned off. Like, just, yeah, I want to just run my guys out. Who needs a freaking bench for this? Uh, yeah. it, it wouldn't be a good hire. They need someone that can bring some life into it and who's not past his prime. And Doc Rivers' prime passed when he was with the Clippers. Let, let's just be real. I think we're all kind of in agreement that Doc might not be the – well, okay, because for Doc, it's like, you know, like you said with the 08 team, very much veteran-laden, a lot of smart guys on that team, and they kind of knew how to play. I feel like the thing that with Doc has always been, he's not really a big believer in young players. And I feel like that's been kind of the downturn for his coaching career is that since he won like the Celtics game is like with the Celtics, it's like, he doesn't like rebuilds. He doesn't like a bunch of young players breaking into the rotation where if you look at today's NBA, like you have to have that blend of youth with veterans because a lot of these veterans aren't trying to play 82 games a a season. You got to have somebody to fill in those games when they're, when they're going to miss them. So I feel like Doc should just stay at ESPN, have fun doing commentary, and the Bucks should look somewhere else. But and not, to mention, decides. not to mention with the Bucks, there is a young player who I think should be playing with Milwaukee more often that I know Doc wouldn't, and that's kind of worries me. I think Andre Jackson Jr. has been a phenomenal ad. He brings everything that the Bucks are lacking right now. But getting mm-hmm. a guy like Doc, and he's he's gonna get right to the end of the bench or he's gonna get traded for some wash small forward. Hey, what's what's Montrez Harrell doing these days? <laughs> oh man, the, the sad thing with this whole Doc issue is is you mentioned it before, Brett, where you have specific things you remember. Oh, I remember Doc not making adjustments. I have things I remember with the Jazz and the Clippers, where the Clippers were a much better team on paper and they were injured, and it's just you could see it as just as a fan how he gets out coached when the games when. Games slow down and you play the same team, you know, seven times in two weeks. He just doesn't have it. He doesn't have what the other coaches have. He doesn't have the ability to make adjustments, to to communicate, to change his rotation. He just kind of ride or dies with his with his players that he has in the regular season. And we've just seen him just collapse year after year after year. Yeah. Um, well, we'll definitely keep up with this. They'll obviously have somebody in place by the time we come back next week. And I guess we'll talk about who they appoint as the interim, I I guess, at this point. Giannis, make a good decision. It it could drastically change the direction of this season. So let's go ahead and get into the next NBA story. Terry Rozier has found salvation. He's gotten out of Charlotte. He's going down to Miami. Kyle Lowry, look. It has been real. You can go, I don't know, rent a hotel room in Charlotte. I doubt he's staying there. Like, when you look at this trade, I feel like it's obvious the Heat win this deal. But what do you think Terry Rozier brings to the Miami Heat? Sorry, you, Britt. Um, I think the easy answer is shot creation. That's something that they really lack outside of Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero. I th- Don't bring that on me, Jory. Um, but... Yeah, I, I think shot creation and playmaking, and that's some things that the Heat could really use a big boost with. So 
I think it's a great trade for the Heat and the Hornets able to pick up a first and dump a bunch of salary because Kyle Lowry, I believe, is expiring this year. I think this is a win-win trade for both sides. The Heat, the Hornets pick more more draft capital and save money, and the Heat get an extra shot in the arm with shot creation and shot making. So I like it. Yeah. It, I mean, it, John calling Rozier a young D-Wade kind of wild, but okay. Uh, yeah, that, that's a, that's a bit of a stretch, John. I, look, I love you having the show here, but like people throw away, throw out young D Wade kind of often here. This is a great trade for Miami. Clearly they won. Charlotte's kind of given up. They wanted that draft pick, which could have some value. We don't know exactly how long this shelf life for Miami is going to be uh, moving forward next couple of years. But when you think, I hate to say this because we hear it all this all too much. Heat culture guys. Terry Rozier is a heat culture guy. He's got it. He's tough. He's got some attitude. He's got some flair that he can play with. He can get really hot. He has playoff experience. He's just been buried in this awful Charlotte team. Uh, it's a great fit. He's going to, like you said, Brett, offer a shot creation, offer some, some energy, some youth. Because Kyle Lowry, if you look at his shooting percentages before this trade, they were pretty abysmal. They were very, very low. He's going to be able to help with that off-ball movement, work really well Jimmy Butler. I think this this gets them into a spot where you can say, okay, there's a clear path for them to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Like, we know the East is a little bit tougher, but the path is there because Kyle Lowry was a non-factor on this team 100%, and they just did a huge upgrade at the point guard position. Okay. I mean, look, with, with Rozier, you're going to have to ride out some of the bad with the good. Because he'll give you those nights when he goes like 0 for 10 from 3. And you just got to live with it because it's just the player that he is. But, yeah, defensively, he'll get after it. Uh, I do want to see in terms of, like, offensively how they do use him because he is a guy that at times needs the ball in his hands to really be effective. And in Miami, we know that the ball goes through Butler, Adebayo, Hero, and those guys will have to eat as well. But yeah, it's definitely an upgrade over Kyle Lowry. I've been saying for Miami, Lowry needed to go probably as soon as he got there because this Kyle Lowry, I, I I just don't get it with him. Like, yeah, he'll hit a couple of shots in the playoffs, but during this regular season, like you said, Jake, his shooting's been horrific. And we'll have to see once he gets bought out or whatever where he ends up. You know, he's going to want to go to a contender, I guess. But, but yeah. Getting Rozier for Lowry, definitely a big upgrade for the Heat. I don't know if it puts them into the Eastern Conference Finals because I'm not buying into the Heat yet, but it definitely puts them in a better position. You feel better be about them defense. than you did before. Before this trade happened, you definitely feel better about where, where the Heat are going to go. And look, I get it. You don't like the Heat, Kyle. Uh, it's And I got super annoyed with the Heat culture stuff. But the path is there where they can get hot. And it just Kyle Lowry just wasn't it. He, I, look, I like what he's done. For, he's had a fantastic career. What he did in Toronto uh, for getting that championship was awesome. He had one pretty decent year in Miami and then just fell apart. And who knows, a, a small point guard in his late 30s falling apart. Like, what a, what a shocker that could be. Uh, it, it's, it's a good move, and I don't think it costs too much. It, it's interesting. A lot of trades you hear these days, people are asking for multiple first-round picks for a player that's just okay. I feel like Miami did pretty good. They got a good player on a... He's on a decent contract, and they only had to give up one first-round pick for it. 
I think Kyle Lowry is going to be a great name to watch at the buyout market. I think the issue in Miami is they're trying to play him 25, 30 minutes. He's not that guy anymore. He can't play heavy minutes. But I think if you put him in a backup role, like where he's only playing like, you know, 15 minutes or so a game and just send him out in spurts, I think he can really help a contender that way. But overall, if you're asking anything more than that from him, if you need him to play 25 or 30 minutes, then you're just going to gas him. I, the thing is, uh, and, and Jory, that's a fantastic comment there. I, I I would love to see that. Just have him just go on this this weight gain journey with that he could like have on his Instagram or something. Uh, but who? Well, what contender is really going to need him? Like I, I don't exactly. see a team that's going to be like, oh man, you know who we're missing is ten minutes of Kyle Lowry. We're missing a guy that can take a charge in the playoffs. Like no one's going to be dying for that. I, I don't see a team that really needs. And it's gonna put this team over the edge if he goes there. Sure. I just I don't see it. Again, great career, great dude, but it's just it's right time for him to retire. Yeah, I know where he'll end up. Call Ice Cube, get in the big three, knock yourself out. <laughs> uh, see, Gene says funny story could probably back up Maxi. Well, there you go. I'll say I'd take him in Milwaukee. Honestly, I think he—if you give me about the same or even better in limited minutes than campaign. That's fair. Oh, I forgot you do have campaign. Oh, that's another one of those guys. I just yeah. Lowry's probably the one guy in the NBA I would take over campaign. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say this for for Lowry: one thing that he could do in Milwaukee is he could be a leader to stress defense for the other guys on the team. And that's the thing that's really hurting Milwaukee. Uh, and then, you know, 10 minutes, maybe gets hot and can make a couple three pointers in a playoff series in a quarter. But, but that's kind of it. I don't see him going to Oklahoma city or Denver or any of these other teams that are really there contained. Boston's not going to want him. I don't think the Sixers are going to want him. I just feel like it's, it's pretty limited on where he can go. Yeah. I can go back to Toronto. They're not winning anything anyway. Oh, they'd be happy to have that for the rest of the season. All right. Got another trade to talk about. Actually, we don't. I thought I had a graphic up. Hold on. Well, actually, we'll talk about this anyway. Um, Big men had a night. Joel Embiid, 70. Uh, Cat, 62. The Cat game was crazy because you saw that box score. For a good part of that game, like he was the only one even close to double figures. It was like Cat and a bunch of guys with two points. It's crazy. And as you said, one got the win, the other didn't. You can kind of tell from these graphic who's celebrating and who looks like they just lost their best friend. But um, <laughs> I, I mean, to score 62 and lose, so it's a lot of work to put in to get the L. I think the obvious question would be, is Joel Embiid on pace for a second MVP? I think the short answer to that is easily as long as he hits that minimum games requirement. I don't think there's been a better player in the NBA this year than Joel Embiid. And I can try to make arguments for other guys, but I just don't think it's good enough. So I I think easily Joel Embiid, as long as he hits that, you know, 65-game minimum, I think he's got to be the front runner by far. Yeah, the big thing for him, again, like like you said, is he does need to hit the game requirement, and that could be really tough. Um, 
it's tough. Like back-to-back MVPs, not a lot of guys have done it, and that's a pretty lofty thing to do. I think it keeps him in the conversation 100%. Uh, Philly definitely looks significantly better after losing James Harden. They're, I think they're third in the East, so that keeps him up there with winning that a lot of people want to see. Uh, if I had a vote, I'm still going for Jogic. I still feel like he's the best player in the league. But but Embiid's going to be there. He's a draw. He's a good name. He's a good defender. And he's a great scorer, so he, he'll be in there. It's just a matter of if he can stay healthy or not. Uh, let's see. We have a question. So, okay. So, looking at the cat part of this with the 62, wasn't it kind of – I mean, when I saw that cat was going off the way he was, I was wildly surprised that cat actually was putting together a performance like that. Because we know that cat is pretty good offensively. But if you were to ask me guys this year who would score over 60, I don't think I would have thrown Cat's name out there. Uh, so I, were either of you as surprised as I was to see that Cat was having the night that he was, especially looking at that team where you have Anthony Edwards on there who's a good scorer as well. It it definitely caught me off guard for sure. I, I didn't expect that. I know Cat's capable of that. Cat is a really great scorer, and he's very capable of that. So I didn't expect him to do it, but the fact that he – I didn't expect it, but the fact that he did it, did it doesn't necessarily surprise me. And it was it was an impressive showing for the first three quarters. Yeah, That's right. It, fourth quarter, he only scored like, what, four? That was pretty tough. And I think at the halftime he had – what was that? Sutton Lord, he had over 40 points at half. Like he was just cooking it. I was surprised. Like I, I've been pretty, have a pretty low opinion. I guess best way to put of Cat. I'm not a huge fan. That's a better way to say. It. I'm not a huge fan of Carl Anthony Towns. I feel like he's always been when he's had his best statistical years. It's usually when they're on a bad team. Can't trust him in the playoffs. He makes a lot of uh, low basketball IQ type of moves. So when I saw this, I was really surprised. But like, like you said, Brett, he's capable. He has all the tools to be a fantastic player. I've just never expected him to be the guy that could actually do that, especially with how quickly he scored in the fourth and the first half and then through three quarters. It was a shocker to me. And it's a, a shame that he lost and that the team around him didn't get the job done. But I mean, that's, I think he has a top two scoring games in uh, Timberwolves history. So he has that going for him at least. All right. Uh, last before we get off of this, uh, you believe in the Timberwolves this season, yes or no? Brett? I believe they're capable of making a deep playoff run. Okay. I don't think they're winning a title, but I think they could be a surprise team to make the Western Conference Finals if things break right for them. Like, why not? I think they got to avoid some – they got to work on some things. Like, last night, for example, catch shooting like he did worked for the first three quarters because he was hot but in all reality he was really disrupting the flow of the offense and nobody else could really get going so in the fourth when he cooled down nobody could hit anything because nobody had any rhythm so i think there's some i think there's some things that they got to work on but this team yeah they could make it to the western conference finals this year so gene has a request of sure. jake and then look, I'll answer your question. Yeah, I'll ask your answer your question first. I was mm -hmm. not a believer in Minnesota for a long time. I, I just felt like the Rudy Gobert cat fit was just really poor, didn't work out. And 
I, at this point, I just have to be like, man, you know what? They won a lot of games. They haven't faded. We, you know, last year, Utah started off really hot. Um, they looked really good and then kind of faltered. They, they're not faltering. They have a fantastic defense. Rudy Gobert showing why he's an elite defender and how you can't, if he has other good defenders around him, he's not going to fall apart in the postseason like he did with Utah. So I think they can, they should be viewed as a contender. One of like the six teams that we could see viewing as a, you know, a team that's going to contend for the finals and they should make the Western conference finals. I'll put it that way. Uh, Gene, look, I, Jokic may not have the best stats, but he's averaging what? 20, like 27, 12 and nine. He's got a team that's third in the, in the West. And I just feel like if you, if you take him off of that team and replace him with just a good center, that team is completely different. He carries everything. He's the best passer in the league super efficient with everything that he does. And I just like his game. He's, he's a unicorn as far as in a good way. I know that term gets, gets spread around a lot, but I just feel like he's the engine that keeps Denver going. And they were able to withstand the injury to Jamal Murray because of Jokic. Like what team is going to lose their best player, second best player for an extended period of time and still be a top three team in their conference. Like that's what he's done. I get there. There are guys with better stats that are out there, but for me, I just feel like if we're talking about valuable player, value to their team, if Jokic is off and you have an average center, this team is probably a ninth seed. Like it's it's night and day difference to what he has, what he adds to what Embiid adds to, to Philly. Okay. All right. All right. Another question just came up. Which duo would you take? Embiid, Maxi, Jokic, and Murray? It's probably not fair to ask that because of Maxi being so young in his career, but I just threw it out there anyway. Uh, just talking about this season. I, so this season, I do think that individually, I do think that Joel Embiid right now is the better player. But as a duo, I think that Jokic-Murray duo is pretty untouchable. And it's not doesn't necessarily have to do with who's better than who. It's the synergy that they have. Those guys with like a look – no, okay, what action we want to run? It, it's so hard to predict the two. So as far as that question, I think chemistry speaking, it's Murray Jokic. They've had years to develop that. Yeah. All right, and to kind of go with Gene's point. Oh, yeah, sorry. Go ahead, Jake. Um, you take? Look, if I'm I'm happy with either of those combinations, Maxi's been absolutely fantastic, and I feel like losing Harden has definitely been an addition by subtraction for that squad and for what they're doing. But Jokic and, and Jamal, they, they they just work together. They can read each other so so well. Their strengths kind of vary off of each other. And I feel like they Jokic can be impactful without having the ball in his hands because Jamal can just cook and he can just he can do the heavy lifting. And then Jokic does his passing, does his fl- uh, shot creation, and then scores when the the game's close. And I'm I'm taking that. Both both these guys are great. And and Gene, look, I get it. If 76ers, if if Embiid's an average center, this is a bad team. And I'm not trying to hate on Embiid. I, I'm really not. He's playing fantastic. It's just, like, there's a reason I don't have a vote. It's probably because I don't have, maybe I don't have the best takes. I don't know. But but I, I, I'm i just a Jokic fan. I'm not going to be upset, though, if Embiid gets it. Like, if he if he's doing what he's doing, he, he deserves it. Okay. I mean, look, I, I'm there with you. I'm a big Jokic fan. But I would... I'd have to go to Embiid this year. It's crazy. All these years when he was like politicking to get it, 
Like, you put together a year like this, he'd have won it, you figure. But it's, it's kind of good to see, you know, Embiid have the success that he's having, especially without Harden being there as kind of like something to hold him back. Like, he, he's playing freely right now, and, you know, last night he was able to do whatever he wanted. Like he got to any spot he wanted. He took all the shots that he wanted. He said after the game, like, there was, a, there was more shots out there that he probably should have made. So that 70 could have turned into 80 pretty easily. Uh, I do have a question here while you pull up that comment. Do you think – because you made a great comment about how it was, you know, more or less politicking, just talking through social media. Do you think Embiid finally getting a monkey off of his back and when the MVP is like released that pressure and now he can just play, he can just be himself and not have to stress about getting the stats and getting the wins. And now he's just like, Hey, I'm just going to be me because I got my award and it's turned mm-hmm. into him being better than where he was last year. That's actually a good point. Uh, because it, it it did kind of seem like for Embiid, the MVP was that award that he needed to be up there with Jokic, and then he got his. I mean, he kind of plays like this anyway. I guess you, you could say that maybe as like a mental block for him, maybe it, it's kind of freed him up to just go out there and play a little bit better. But I think now the next thing's going to have to be the playoffs. He's got to get past the second round. He probably he probably needs to beat Boston on the way there because that's kind of been the team that's been in his way or beat a Milwaukee. So I would hope that's the motivation behind this season is to now not even talk about MVP but be a champion in Philly. I think that when it comes to Joel Embiid, not only has he gotten better every year, like his playmaking is clearly leaps and bounds better this year. I think it's also obviously a coaching thing. I think Doc Rivers made Joel Embiid too predictable. He's having him attack from the same spots. Everybody else is just kind of standing around watching. It kind of limits what an offense can do. Nick Nurse has him all over the place. He's he's the primary option. He's giving handoffs. He's setting screens all over. Like He's just more predictable, and I think a big part of it too is Nurse is putting him into spots where he can see the floor and actually really attack with his playmaking. So I think it's a mixture of Joel has gotten better, and the way Nick Nurse is using him, he's putting him in much better spots to succeed compared to Doc Rivers these past few years. That's a great point, so Brett. Words, you, don't, you don't want Doc in Milwaukee because <laughs> Giannis will be the same spot, and it'll just drive you crazy. We, we got you. We got you, Brett. Uh, Anthony has a question. Embiid and Maxi or De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis? I... Uh, Anthony, look, I, I love Sabonis and, and Fox, but come on. Right. C- come on, yeah. man. Like I, I don't wanna I don't wanna like poo-poo on Sabonis and Fox because I really like them, but it's Embiid and Maxi. Those two dudes are are playing awesome this season. I would probably be a better question like De'Aaron Fox Sabonis or as John put out there as a duo. SGA Chet, maybe that's more of an argument. I don't know. I'd probably go. That's probably a better hmm. argument. That that probably is a better argument. I mean, we could go with that. Fox and Sabonis or SGA and Chet. Who are you taking? I think right now, um, as Fox and uh, you know Sabonis, they have the better chemistry. 
because mm-hmm. they've been doing this longer. They've been playing off each other for so long. So I think right now as a duo, Fox and Sabonis probably play off each other better, but long-term, easily give me SGA and Chet. Give them a year or two to develop their chemistry like Fox and Sabonis has had. No question who I'm taking. Okay. Yeah, th- this is tough. If this is the rest of the season that we have, I'm probably leaning towards uh, Fox and Sabonis. They're, I, I just The concern is Chet. That, that's really what it is. Like SGA of all these four players, like SGA is the best of these dudes. He's having a fantastic season, absolutely just killing it. It's just when Chet has his good games, he's awesome, but he also has games where he's pretty bad. He can get pushed around and doesn't look great. And I feel like those moments can could potentially hurt Oklahoma City this season in the playoffs. But if we're talking long term, even three seasons, it, it's SGA and Chet. Like I'm a huge SGA fan, and I think Chet's really he's impressed me. I thought he was going to be a year away from where he's currently at, and he's he's come out and looking really strong. So this see if it's the rest of the year though, I, I, I do agree. Like Sabonis and Fox, they have better chemistry. They play off of each better off of each other better, and I just feel like we're not going to get the bad. Sabonis or Foxy, I'm like, we could potentially get with Chet this year just because he's a rookie and those things happen. Not a knock on him. It's just what happens when you're a rookie. Right. Yeah, I would go with the the King duo. I will De'Aaron Fox and uh, Sabonis. I mean, think about that trade now, the Sabonis Halliburton trade. I feel like a lot of people were scratching their heads about Halliburton getting moved, but you can't argue with what Sabonis has done out in Sacramento. It's the rare instance where both teams won. Both teams were better with after the trade, where they had Halliburton and Fox. It wasn't working, and they stuck with Fox. And it's both teams are better for it. And I don't like. There's very few times where that's actually happened in the NBA. So, just interesting how that worked out. Yeah. All right. So we definitely have more topics to get to, but let's get a quick word from the network before we move on. Hey guys, it's Pavel the Cat and Evan Rev Runners, and we are two guys in Hockey Talk. We are here every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time to talk all things hockey. What are we talking about, Evan? We talk KHL, AHL, ETHL, every HL hockey league you can think about, prospects, juniors, even the professional women's hockey league. Yeah, we love it. And we have a website, Two Guys in Hockey Talk. So give us a follow. we got articles on all things related to hockey. And we're writing all throughout the season. So make sure you're tuning in. We're also on X or Twitter. Uh, you can find me at hockey underscore two. And you can follow me at Revan M. Or you can also go to twoguysandhockeytalk.com to follow everything. We love hearing from you guys. So make sure you tune in, comment, like, Give us a follow on our Facebook and YouTube page. We love hearing from you guys. And it's a blast talking all things hockey. Right, Evan? Hey, man, it is. So as we say every show, in the meantime and in between time. Keep your sticks on the ice. Cheers. Cheers. All right. Shout out to two guys in Hockey Talk. You can find them on the network tomorrow night. At uh, 9 p.m. Eastern. All right. So I actually did have a graphic for this trade. And I just had it out of order. So this happened last week while we were on the air. We just didn't get to it. So we can talk about it really quickly. Uh, Pascal Siakam is now out of Toronto. He's with the Pacers. Uh, In return, you know, the Raptors got Bruce Brown, who, you know, left Denver, thought he was going to live it up in Indiana. 
no, you're moving up across the border to Toronto. Have fun up there. That's like the main piece of the trade, but everybody's going to look at the Siakam part. So how do you feel Siakam fits with the Pacers? Is he, you know, an upgrade, obviously? And where do you think this puts the Pacers in terms of the the hierarchy of the, of the Eastern Conference? Or do you think it changes any way how deep of a run they can make? So I guess the first part would be, do you like the fit? And what do you think it does for the Pacers overall? We'll start with you, Brett. I like the fit. I think uh, Pascal's strengths actually play almost perfectly with Halliburton's. Pascal's one of the best transition finishers in the NBA. Halliburton's like the best transition passer in the NBA. They're right up there. And the other thing Pascal can do, he can go out and he can get his own shot. That's something that not a lot of guys on this Pacer team can say. Allie can, but we know Buddy Heald can't. The only other guy you can argue that can is like Benedict Matherin and maybe TJ McConnell if you really want to stretch the definition. Overall, I think this puts them right firmly into that four, five, and six range. I don't think they're a top three seed, but now they're firmly in that middle of the pack territory, and they could very well upset one of the higher seeds if they try to overlook them and they're not careful. So I, I do like the trade. I do like Pascal the Indy. Though I think what could turn this trade upside down for a lot of people is Pascal does need to get paid, so we'll see how that plays out in the offseason. Okay, Jake. Yeah, that's a good point. Like as far as Pascal needing to get paid, but the way you have to look at it is, you know, there's essentially 60 max slots in the NBA for max players, and Indiana is going to have an open spot for it. So I think they're going to offer him the max. Pascal doesn't seem to be a guy that's you know really wanting to get out of a small market. He was. I know Toronto's a big place, but they don't get tons of coverage. Uh, as far as the fit, it's it's what Indiana needed. Their defense was really really bad. Bruce Brown, I really like him. I think. I hope he ends up uh, in another team that, that's competing because I like the game that he has. But Siakam and Halliburton fit really well together. They're going to be able to offer a lot more of defense on the perimeter that's going to help shore everything up. And this gets them, I mean, I'm kind of just copy what Brett said. They're going to be the four, five, six range. You know, Cleveland's right now the fourth seed. They've gone on a nice run there, but they've beaten a lot of bad teams. And I just, I want Cleveland to be good. I really do, but I just don't feel like they're, as good as a normal four seed. So they're going to f- end up somewhere in this range in the second round of the playoffs. Uh, they could pick, or I guess in the first round, they could give a first round matchup. That's going to be really tough. If they're, you know, the, the sixth seed and they're playing Philly, that's going to be a matchup. That's, you know, Philly's probably going to win, but it's not going to be a breeze. It's not going to be an easy four or five games. It's probably going to go six or seven. Uh, and it's a great fit. And the, the draft picks that they gave up, I think there's two draft picks this year that they're losing. They're not going to be very high draft picks. This draft isn't looking very uh, desirable as far as trade assets go. So I don't think they gave up a whole lot. Like you hear, they gave up, I think it was, they gave up three first round draft picks, but only, but two of them are in this year. They're not going to be high picks. So they're not really losing a whole lot, whole lot as far as our building blocks for the future, but it's a great fit. It's exactly what Indiana needed. I mean, you guys know I'm not the biggest Pascal guy. I call him generic P. But the good thing is, when he's in Indiana, he's not going to be your primary ball handler. That was my biggest thing with him in Toronto, was the fact that they had him bringing the ball up. You know, everybody talks about Jalen Brown's left hand. You show me a highlight where Pascal Siakam's done anything with his left hand, and I will be thoroughly surprised. But like you said, Brett, Indiana likes to play fast. Pascal can run. 
and he can finish at the rim. So I do like the fit for them, and I do uh, as well think that four to four to six range is where they should be, and they'll be interesting to watch in the playoffs based off of who they match up with in the first round. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know if the Philly matchup would be something that they want because Miles Turner and Embiid. I don't know, but I mean, if they got a Boston or even a Milwaukee, could they make it interesting? I think so. Uh, John actually has a question that I'm kind of glad he brought this up. Since most big guys can shoot the deep ball now and the way basketball is going, do you think the big guy in Purdue, Edie, is going to have a problem in the NBA? I do. I, I, I'm kind of scared to see once he gets drafted and then we see him actually on the court, I think he's going to get destroyed. I know he's good at Purdue and everything like that, but yeah, I'm not a fan of Edie in, in the NBA. What do you guys think? Um, I'm, I don't follow college basketball super close this early you know, in the season, but I, 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 from what I've seen of him, it's like the idea is really cool. He's really tall. I think he's like 7'4", shoots a really high percentage around the, the, the hoop. It, he's not going to be a guy that's going to change the game. I, I don't feel – I think he's – going to struggle to adapt to what's there. And he's probably going to end up being a really good like backup center to a center that can stretch the floor and be really impactful. But I just think he's not going to be able to be an impact player on day one. I don't, I don't like his, he's tall. I don't worry. I worry about his durability and his size and the fact that he can't shoot, you know, has no, no range really, really scares me on that. I think if he tries really hard, he could be a rotational big. I think more reality is he's going to be playing overseas or in the G League. I don't see him really being much. I think the issue is you're looking at a guy who's big, but he doesn't have that quick a foot speed to keep up with NBA guards, so he's going to get targeted on defense. Guards are going to pull him out in ISO. We're just going to pull away from the basket and throw a lob and make him make a choice. And his range is limited. He doesn't have any. He does all of his damage around the basket. So overall, I think this is a kid that if he really works at it, I'm not going to you know say he can. He could you know work his way into a rotation. But if you think that he's going to be a star, all-star, anything like that, you're going to be disappointed. He'd be way more successful 20 years ago. That, that's right. what it is. Put him in the mid-2000s, and, and he would be a lot more successful. He's a big old tree. Pretty much, yes. <laughs> all right. So that's all we have for the NBA. We're going to go ahead and get into the NFL. Let's do a real quick break right now. Hey, y'all. I'm Keith. And I'm Jory. And tune in to Hoop Dreams and Touchdown Queens every Saturday at 5 p.m. over on Sports Empire Network. And don't forget, also watch us on Roku TV at Northeast Streaming Productions. Uh, so tune in. Sure, that girl's the same name as you. Do you know her? <laughs> uh, that's Hoop Dreams and TD Queens. You can catch that show on the network Saturdays, 5 o'clock uh, p.m. Eastern. You already saw Key and Jory. They have a great time on there. You definitely should check them out. As Jory said, she might just know who that is. Uh, all right, so look at the NFL. Got to look at the, the coaching vacancies as a few more spots are filled. You know, we already knew about Gerard Mayo 
filling for uh, taking over for Bill Belichick. But we learned this week that the Raiders actually are competent when they want to be. They kept Antonio Pierce. Who knew that they could do that? And then the Titans, they selected uh, Brian Callahan off of the Bengals staff to be their new head coach. So we still have five uh, spots open with the Seahawks, Chargers, Commanders, Falcons, and the Panthers. So the first thing we'll start off with is obviously the Raiders made the right choice by keeping Antonio Pierce, right? Yeah. We don't have any questions about that one. Okay. The Callahan one. I, I think in our chat, I remember you, Brett, said that you were surprised because you didn't know he was, like, out there in terms of the coaching search for this round. And I was kind of the same way as you because if you look at Callahan, you know, you understand that the Bengals had a, a really good offense, and a lot of teams will look at that and say, well, we'll get the coordinator, bring him here. And with Tennessee, you would think that the offensive side of the ball would be more of the question – as opposed to the defense side of the ball. So looking at the Callahan hire, would you give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down right now? Or are you wait and see mode? I'll throw that as a third option. I really had to sit and mull on that one for a while, right? I, I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't know. I had no clue what to think of it. But um overall I'm kind of in wait and see mode. My first initial response after a couple days of mulling it over is I want to give it a thumbs up. I think Cal Hand can do great things in the NFL. I think a lot of the confusion and why people give it a thumbs down is because they didn't know he was actually in the coaching pool. They didn't realize that he was an option. So nobody's nobody knew him. Nobody knew. So I think he has potential. This is a guy that when Joe Burrow went down, he still had the offense helped have the offense clicking, did great. Game plans for Jake Browning made him look good. So I think that uh, Callahan could really be a really good hire if he's every bit as good as he was on offense in on the Bengals. I think he'd be great for the offense in Tennessee, and he could very well help develop Will Levis quite a bit. Yeah, I, I'm going to give it like a thumb sideways. Like, I don't love it. I don't hate it. Kind of the wait and see. I think the issue that that a lot of people, myself included, had with this guy is this. When I he- think of Bengals offensive coordinator, it's like, oh, why does that matter? Zach Taylor's calling the plays. Like he's the offensive guy on that staff. So when I think about the Bengals offense, I think of Zach Taylor. Like when you think of the Lions offense, you think Ben Johnson and how great that is, right? You don't think, uh, but. It's good. Like, you know, Jory's saying there that, that they coordinated everything through him, which is better. It's it's makes you feel a little bit better about it. And the Bengals definitely didn't fall off of a cliff as hard as I thought they would have after they lost Joe Burrow. And I think he has a lot to do with it. So it's a good hire. I guess the, the part is I just feel like there were a lot of other coaches that were out there that had more uh, upside, more flair, more things you could get really excited about. But it, it does make sense, and I, I think they could have been a lot worse. Uh, in all honesty, like it's not a bad hire. They didn't go after Dan Quinn. I think I don't think that's going to be a good hire. Whoever ends up hiring him, uh, so it's yeah. you know if I have to choose between good and bad, I, I, I'm leaning towards good because Tennessee is a smart organization, despite firing Mike, Mike Vrabel. Um, but it's just if I'm Tennessee, I, I would have gone harder after Ben Johnson. But okay, uh, all right. So now looking at the other. Five openings, and as Jory put, 
the Panthers job is going to be hard to fill. That's that's probably going to be the last one to be filled, uh, to be honest with you. And once again, good luck to whoever gets that job. So Sajan put that, I guess he wants Ben Johnson, um, Vrabel, or Evero for Seahawks. All right. Ben Johnson didn't want to come to Nashville. and You know, can't blame Dan him for that. <laughs> yeah, Dan Quinn. I, look, I saw Dan Quinn as the coach in Atlanta. I wasn't impressed. If another team wants to go down that road, knock themselves out. But is is it possible that one of the big three in Belichick, Rabel, and Harbaugh don't get a job? No. I think that the only way they don't get a job if they decide not to coach. Like, we've seen, like, all three of those guys, like Bill Belichick can still coach. He, mm-hmm. he coached up his team really well. As Kyle, you saw firsthand. I just think the issue is that he was so devoid of talent on offense that it really didn't matter. So I think the only way that any of those three don't get a job is um, if they decide that they don't want to coach this year. Yeah, I agree hundred percent. Like those are the big guys. They're very, they're in high demand. They can go, they can look at these and almost pick where they want to go. It's just a matter of if they're like, oh, I'd rather stay where I'm maybe Mike Vrabel wants a year off. Maybe Harbaugh wants to go back to Michigan. Belichick is going to be coaching next year. He he's older. He wants that all time wins record and he knows he can't get it. If he's taking a year off to find a better situation for him to coach in next year. So they're, they're, they're going to be coaching somewhere. Uh, pro- we'll probably know within, I'd say, two weeks. Yeah. Yeah, these teams definitely have to move on this as we kind of start getting into draft season. Yep. All right, so I'll throw a name out there. You tell me which job they're going for, they're, that you would see them getting. Belichick, where do you think he ends up? God, I hate this. He's going to end up in Atlanta, and I, I just I hate it. I hate the Falcons. I'm tired of of these guys, of Brady coming to my division, and then now Belichick coming to my division. But it sounds like everything I've heard is that the ownership, Arthur Blank, really wants Belichick to come. He's had two interviews already. So for me, it just makes all the sense in the world that he goes there. Um, I'll say this again. We said this last week. I know Philly's looks like Philly's keeping their coach, but if I'm the owner of the, the Eagles, I'm firing Sirianni and I'm hiring Belichick, doing whatever it takes to bring him in because he'd be the perfect fit there, but that's not a vacancy. It's it's going to be Atlanta, and I hate it. I hate it. You, do you agree, Brett? Yeah, I think it's Atlanta. I think it's a perfect spot for him. He, you already have talent on offense. The only thing you got to figure out is the QB, but fortunately there's QB talent available. You could trade for Russ. You can trade for Justin Fields. You can trade up in this draft if you want. And then mm-hmm. the one thing Belichick really still knows how to do well, coach up a defense, so – as long as they get a competent quarterback and they he'll coach up the defense, I think this team probably runs away with the division. Okay. Uh, before we get to the next one, Sajan has a question. If the Seahawks hire a defense defensive-minded head coach, who should be the OC? That's actually an interesting That's a good one. question. I don't know of any – I have a hard time pulling out a name of any really good young coordinator – whether it could be like a quarterback's coach or something like that, that could be promoted. Uh, Cause if Seattle goes for, for Dan Quinn, which I don't think they should do, they, they should absolutely not hire him. They need a, they need to get away a, a new fresh outlook on how to run their team. Uh, I just, mm-hmm. 
don't know who that guy is, but they need a good young offensive coordinator who can spark some life into this offense and bring it there while the, while Dan Quinn goes and just focuses on the defense. All right. So I'll change it up a bit. Cause I guess naming the OC, we have to know the inner workings of a lot of these teams. So if you were the Seahawks and you wanted a defensive head coach, who would you get? We'll just leave it at the head coach position. Who's the defensive minded guy you would bring in to Seattle? Vrabel. No, that was my first thought. If you can't get Belichick, then I would just bring in Vrabel. Okay. I'll throw out a name to watch. Aaron Glenn from Detroit. That could be good. I I could see that working pretty well. Aaron Glenn does seem to get his players to play hard and the defense has improved. Um, But uh, if I'm Seattle and I want a sick defense, I'm going Vrabel. It's one of those things where it's like, if you don't get a huge upgrade with Vrabel or Belichick, why did you hide? Why did you fire uh, Pete Carroll in the first place? Like, do you really think like Pete Carroll is that bad of a coach that you're going to, like if it's between Pete Carroll and Dan, uh, like no, Pete Carroll's the better coach. He's the better guy for the job. But that's just what that's the situation Seattle's in, unfortunately. Okay, so we we'll go back to the to the big names. We have Belichick, Atlanta. So Vrabel, where do you put him? Probably Seattle. I hope he goes to Seattle. I'll put it that way. I, again. Yeah, I would hope it'd be Seattle because I feel like these other teams have other other head coaching people that they're really leaning towards. And I feel like he's just kind of sitting there ready for some team to take and, and snatch and great build this great uh, team and great culture around. So I'm going to say Seattle is where he ends up. Yeah, not to sound boring, but that was going to be my team too. I, I think Vrabel to Seattle would be a perfect match for him. Yeah, I kind of agree. And do you think Harbaugh is Chargers or, or Michigan, or could you see him in one of these other teams? I feel like it's Chargers or bust. Like he, Chargers want him. They made a good offer for him. He's got a great quarterback, warm weather. Uh, you can bring in free agents. I know they don't have a great home field, but like San Diego has, or sorry, the Chargers, Los Angeles has a lot you can advertise to bring people into. And he he can have a great quarterback to go for. I don't feel like he's he's not going to go to the Panthers. Like that's a bad team. That's a bad organization with a bad owner. And I don't feel like Washington's really making a big pitch to go after Harbaugh. So I think the Chargers is where he ends up. Actually, yeah. I believe Washington and Carolina. Oh yeah, go ahead, Brett. Yeah, no, I agree with that again. I, I like the Chargers for Harbaugh. I think they've already had like two or three interviews, so I'm not sure. If that doesn't say they're both interested, I'm not sure what else does. <laughs> yep. Right. Yeah, Washington, we have not heard a lot about. Uh, I mean, maybe that means the enemy's the guy there. Well, I guess we'll go with that things, for now. Things that I've heard for Washington is that they're really targeting Ben Johnson. That's the guy that they really want to okay. get. Um and I think that's where he ends up. If Ben Johnson leaves Detroit, I think he goes to Washington. Washington has kind of been like the sneaky franchise where if you look at it, you're like, okay, this actually is a place where you could be pretty successful as a young offensive-minded coach. You have a new owner who's wanting to kind of fix everything, fix the damage that Dan Snyder did for years and years. You have a, They hired a great new general manager from San Francisco that everybody loves. So you're going to have really good drafting. They have a ton of cap space, the number two overall pick, so you can get whatever quarterback you want to attach yourself. Like Ben Johnson can be like, I want to attach myself to 
uh, to Drake May or to Jaden Daniels. Like I, he can have that that quarterback that he can build with. And I, I feel like Washington's going to be that team that gets him. Um, I know uh, John here is saying uh, Bobby Slowick. That'd be a really good option. I really like what he's done. Um, I think he might just go back to Houston. He's been in the OC for one year, and I think he's going to pick his position pretty well. And I don't think he's going to go to Carolina. Like Bobby Slowick to Carolina, you have one year yeah. as a one year under your belt calling an offense, and you go to that mess would be career suicide. Like kind of the same thing where Ben Johnson. Last year could have got a head coaching position, didn't like any of the options that were available and, and came back. And now he's even an even hotter commodity. I think Bobby Sloke does the same thing. He goes back, improves CJ, improves that offense. And then next year is offered a job that is probably going to be better because I don't think anyone wants to go to Carolina unless it's one of those situations where for Carolina, they're going to have to overpay to, to get a good, good head coach. John suggests Pete Carroll to the Panthers. Not sure if Tepper and Carroll would get along very well. That would well, they be... definitely would not. <laughs> <laughs> they definitely would not. Tepper needs a yes man, I think, and that's going to be hard to find. I mean, Jason Garrett's yeah, I... he did that for Jerry Jones for years. There we go. That's where he goes. Get Jason Garrett <laughs> off of NBC. I'm tired of I'm tired of him on NBC. He's he's no good at that. I'd be happy because then Carolina's not going to be any good, and the Saints can get two more wins every year, guaranteed, as long as he's the coach. I mean, it does seem like Caroline's going to hire somebody that's just going to make us scratch our heads like, who is that? And why are you going? Because no one else wants it. It's like one of those things where if it's like, hey, Kyle, we're going to pay you, you know, three and a half million dollars for four years each year and to go coach this team. Like, okay, that's a lot. That's generational money. I guess I'll do it and then get fired and go be a coordinator somewhere else. Like some coach is going to look at that money and just not be able to walk away from it. Uh, Damien, question. Harbaugh does go to the Chargers. What do you uh, – oh, Damien's back on this. Harbaugh's going to go to the Chargers, trade Herbert, and, like, get J.J. McCarthy. That's not going to happen. J.J.'s not going to be playing in the NFL. I'm sorry. <laughs> Look, I like him. He was awesome at Michigan. He was great for what they needed. He got him a national championship. But you're not – No. No, I love your hot takes, Damien. <laughs> they're 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 more intense than what we see out of Stephen A. But that that's not going to happen. I, I think that's he not going to happen. I think JJ could you know like be a backup somewhere, but you're definitely not trading Justin Herbert for him. I mean, if Harbaugh does go there, they should probably draft McCarthy to be a backup, and Damien will sit there and be like, "See, the wheels are turning." <laughs> JJ, JJ McCarthy's gonna go off in the preseason, and David's gonna come in here and be like, "Look, Herbert's getting traded." Yeah, well, I also uh, thought Kenny Pickett was gonna kill him based off of his preseason performance, and look how that turned out. Hey, some guys are preseason warriors, and you know, turn into regular season flameouts. It just happens. There we go. Uh, well, Jory has advice for you, Damien. Put down, put the bottle down. Put the ball in. All right, let's get into our next topic here. Ah, the divisional round. We did this for the wild card round. Uh, it kind of replaced our overreactions, although some of the takeaways might be an overreaction. So we had the divisional round. We had four games. Uh, we had uh, the Ravens beat the Texans. Niners beat the Packers. The Lions beat the Bucks and the Chiefs beat the Bills. We all know how that game ended. 
So starting with you, Jake, what's your divisional round biggest takeaway? My biggest takeaway is simply you can't doubt Patrick Mahomes. Like he's the best quarterback in the league. A lot of this was a, you know, quote unquote down year for Patrick Mahomes or for the chiefs on offense. Mm -hmm. And he still finds a way to get it done, at least against Buffalo. We'll see how it goes against Baltimore. Look, Josh Allen is great. He he played really well, especially in that first half. But there's something special about Patrick Mahomes that just no other quarterback can do. Lamar's going to win the MVP, and he deserves to win the MVP this season. But it just reiterated to me that Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league, and there's a large gap between who's number two. It's because Josh people want Josh Allen to be number two, and and I get it. They have a great rivalry. I actually got I got a little annoyed at the start of the playoff game. Because in the pre in the pregame hype, they mark they're trying so hard to make this the new Brady versus Manning, and I'm like, guys, like, come on, give it a little bit of a rest. But the game was so dang entertaining that it's they kind of have to buy into it. But Manning did beat Brady. Like we know that the Manning lost to him early in his career, but Manning did beat Brady. Allen has to beat Mahomes one of these years, and this was the time for him to do it. They were at home. I know their defense was really banged up. But they had a chance, so many chances to to finish him off, and Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs just came out on top. So, yeah, go ahead, Britt. What's your biggest divisional round takeaway? Oh, I I think uh, I think my big takeaway is I think the game between the Packers and 49ers showed that football is a game of sixty minutes. You can't win unless you play a good sixty minutes of football. Unfortunately, Packers had them on were the better team for about 58 minutes. They uh, just gave it away in the last two. It's unfortunate. Like, it's unfortunate we lost that way. Like, I it didn't really devastate me because I kind of expect expected us to lose going into this game, and I really didn't get my hopes up that high. As soon as we missed that field goal, I was like, oh, I've seen this one play out before. But overall, I'm I think it just showed that in order to really beat these best teams like the Chiefs, the 49ers, the Ravens, football is a game of 60 minutes, and you got to be able to compete for all four quarters. And unfortunately, Green Bay competed for the first 58 minutes, just fell apart in the final two. Yep, that's a great takeaway. With these elite teams, we're talking 49ers, Chiefs, and Baltimore, you can't have – you have to play mistake-free football is basically what it is. And, you know, the the – Packers played really great. They, I felt they played better as a whole, but they also dropped two interceptions that just could have completely changed the game. Those type of mistakes, you just can't happen. You just can't let up. Same with the Chiefs and the Bills, where in that last drive for Buffalo, there were some chances just to get the first down, to get even to a closer uh, uh, closer field goal, the, the digs drop. You, when you're playing these teams, these elite teams, you just can't make mistakes. And if you do, you're just going to set yourself up. You're going to leave the door open for your team to lose. We saw that happen for years and years with Brady and the Patriots. Teams would make mistakes, and Brady and Belichick would just capitalize on it every single time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dicks had a big drop, and MVS had a big catch in that game. Go figure. Uh, so Damien did put that the Raiders just hired Tom Telesco. Does say that they're basically going that way to get the former Chargers GM as their new GM. I mean, there's one thing that Chargers do have. I guess they've been able to draft some decent players, but uh, I mean, we'll see. We'll see how that goes for the Raiders. 
And John's takeaway was after seeing uh, Diggs this year, he's no longer a wide receiver one. Yep. Look at his last six games and how many yards he had. That's his takeaway. Yep, there's been too many. And if you look too, there's so many great wide receivers in the league. Like the, mm-hmm. the wide receiver room, the positions for top guys is going to get really, really oversaturated. Like you're going to be able to say there's 20 top 10 wide receivers. Like you always say, oh, that guy, so-and-so, he's a top 10 wide receiver. And you name 20 of them. That's where we're going to get. And I just don't think Diggs is, is that guy anymore. And you have to look at that Buffalo trade to how they got digs. And it was turned out to be Justin Jefferson. You think they wish they had that back? Like Justin Jefferson with that would be, would be something else. Mm-hmm. And well, Damien showing his uh, bears fandom by saying the Packers losing made his weekend and lions are next. I, I would talk about that about the bears, but I was told not to speak uh, ill of the less fortunate. So I'll <laughs> any comments about the Chicago bears. Uh, John asks, is Puka a number one? Is Puka a wide receiver one? I think the answer, if we're judging by this year, is yes. The thing with uh, the thing with rookies, right? And this is why I like to say, I want to see them do it for at least one more year. So I think he's. I would put him as emerging star. I think he's a wide receiver one, but I need to see it for one more year after defenses have film and can adjust to him. So I, I do think that after next year, though, he will. Everybody will say he's undoubtedly wide receiver one. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Like he's going to be a wide receiver one next year. I do want to see it, but everything that I saw was absolutely fantastic. He's tough. He's gritty, and he was mm-hmm. really able to take over as that as that number one uh, receiver after Cooper Cup had been kind of banged up and not really being the Cooper Cup that we expect. So I expect him. If he continues, then he'll be he'll be wide receiver number one. I just need to see it for another year. Okay. Uh, my biggest takeaway was shout out to these young quarterbacks: Jordan Love, C.J. Stroud. Uh, I was impressed by both of them. Even though you know you look at C.J. Stroud's day wasn't that great, but I mean, he's going up against the Baltimore Ravens defense. You know, a lot of young quarterbacks will struggle against that defense. But it doesn't take away from what he did against the Browns, another really good defense. So I, I like uh, C.J. Stroud a lot. I, mean, I liked him coming into the, uh, this season. I thought he would have been number one over Bryce Young, but you know Panthers made that decision. And for Jordan Love, look, this was, yes, his third season in the league, but it was basically his rookie season as a starting quarterback. We saw the highs and lows with him and the way he finished the year. I feel like Green Bay is in good hands. Uh, stop the Aaron Rodgers references with his passing because then I'll start hating him. And I don't want to do that yet. So uh, let let Jordan Love be Jordan Love. All right. Yeah, that last pass was more Aaron Ro- or more Brett Favre than Aaron Rodgers. Um, it absolutely was. It, 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 yeah. Look, I, I don't want to rub it into you because uh, you know to you, Brett, because I would gladly trade you team, you know, situations for quarterback as a Saints fan. But that was that was exactly what. Brett Favre did the Saints in the NFC Championship game. Uh, you just can't do it. And he'll learn. Uh, real quick, before I get to my other one, my other uh, takeaway was going to be about Jordan Love and C.J. Stroud. If you want look at C.J. Stroud's box score for Saturday's game, you'd be like, man, that was kind of a letdown. He, really? That's what everyone's getting excited about? But I watched every play of that game, and he just he impressed me. He was The thing that really my takeaway from that was 
he had pressure on his face every single down. Every time he had the ball, he had no running game support. He had to throw the ball away, and he never got phased. He never panicked. They, Baltimore was trying to get him to move too fast. That's what you do with a young quarterback that has a bad O-line. You try and get him to move too fast because then they make mistakes, and he never did. He didn't take, I don't think he took a sack. I don't think he threw an interception. He just looked calm. He looked composed. Yeah, they lost because they're they're the inferior team. Baltimore has a stacked roster, and Houston's won like three or four games for the past three years. Like they're not a good team. They well overachieved, and CJ Stroud took that pressure and looked absolutely comfortable with it. And that's exactly what you want to see. So you know, it's same for Love. He looked great, absolutely fantastic. But CJ Stroud, don't look at the box score. Watch the game because he was absolutely mm-hmm. impressive. Yeah, with at the end of the day. I don't think we should base people are going to look at the last game. Like for Jordan love, they're going to look at that last throw. The thing I've always said about love is he does have a lot of tendencies of Aaron Rodgers. He clearly learned a lot from him, but he has the mentality of Brett Favre and that showed throughout the season. And people, some people love it. He's willing to take risks, but it's also going to lead to situations where he thinks he can fire a ball in between three people. So I think with these young QBs, we just got to remember that they're not judged by what they did in their last game throughout the whole season. Second half of the year, Jordan love. You could argue that he was the best quarterback in football, CJ Stroud. You could easily argue all year. He was a top five quarterback in football. So overall impressed with both. And I think both franchises are in great hands going forward. Absolutely. It's a shame that love's last throw ended that way because he had a fantastic second half of the year. And if he played really, really well in that playoff game, it's just, people are going to look at that and put a negative connotation on it, but take everything as a whole. And he was fantastic. Uh, Damien has a question that probably everybody wants to know with all these conspiracy theories about Ravens and 49ers. Everybody's looking at the logo, like, Oh, look at the colors. Then yeah, whatever. If they both made it, would we think the NFL is rigged? I will say no. Cause I said at the start of the playoffs, if the Ravens were going to make a Super Bowl, this better be the year because you have no Burrow there. Allen and the Bills had their own issue. You know, Lawrence had his issues. And Mahomes and the Chiefs coming into the playoffs seemed like a team that was probably going to get picked off a little early. But now that they made it to this point, you know, if the Ravens beat them, they they were they had the number one seed. That's usually the team that can get through. And for San Francisco, like San Francisco's been a really good team all year. So if they both ended up making it there, yes. Some of the conspiracy theorists people will be like, see, we told you. And be like, well, watch these playoff games. You can see how they both made it there. So, no, it's, I'm not going to say it's rigged. I'm not one of those conspiracy <laughs> theorists that look at everything. And no, I don't do that. No, it's not rigged. It's funny. It's a fun little story to look about with the, yeah. the logo and everything. But if the NFL's rigged, it's going to be trying to get the Chiefs in the Super Bowl because they want Taylor Swift. They want the Swifties to watch the Super Bowl, get more ad revenue, increase the viewership, and all that stuff. That that If the NFL is ever going to be rigged, it would be to get the Chiefs in over Baltimore. NFL's not rigged. Despite what people think, it's not rigged. Also, isn't it kind of weird that Taylor Swift hasn't done halftime? Yeah. yeah Maybe next year. How, I mean, I'm not saying I want to see it necessarily, but I'm just – I just kind of assumed that at some point she was just going to get it because of 
like how popular she is and we got usher this year i'm down hey I'm, I'm cool with usher that's gonna be fun yeah uh, let's see <laughs> don't put that in the air because i don't want her to <laughs> our, our, bad. It's our bad it's what i've been thinking about for like four or five years because i was kind of <laughs> one of those who was like she's eventually gonna get like let's just prepare for it and now it's like okay we got usher i wonder who would be next year uh well so jake your second takeaway was about stroud and love yeah so uh, I'll, I'll go for another one just not to repeat myself there um another takeaway i have is look people who wanted brock Purdy to be mvp just stop stop he people that said he should got votes should be in the conversation look he lost debo samuel and he turned into a pumpkin he he, he, I don't want to hear that he got the win. He made that one good drive. He looked like garbage. He looked like a quarterback that was in over his head, and he's playing against a really hot team, a really good defense, and bad weather. It's like anytime Brock Purdy has not ideal conditions, he plays below. He plays subpar. It's not a guy who can rise up to the moment, rise up to the challenge. If anything, this shows that Debo and Christian McCaffrey should be getting MVP votes, not Brock Purdy, because those guys are the most valuable players to that team that's the number one seed. It's not, it's not, and I like Purdy. It's a great story. Mm -hmm. But to say that he should, you know, oh, he's, it's him and Lamar MVP, it's like, stop it. Just stop. Look at what he did against Green Bay. That's not an MVP. That's not a guy who should be considered for that award because. He, he has moments where he looks so bad that he played so poorly and Green Bay should have won that game. Sorry, you know, sorry, Brad, to bring that up that they should have won, but Packers should have won. Everyone else in the for San Francisco played great, but besides Brock Purdy. Apparently, John is like Taylor Swift's personal assistant. She's going to be in Japan. Okay. Didn't know that. Well, maybe that'll change if Kelsey's in the Super Bowl. Have to have to be there to watch support her boy. I, I guess. Uh, Brett, what's your uh, takeaway? Oh, my takeaway is really simple. Um, don't just blame uh, Tyler Bass for that Buffalo loss. I see a lot. He had to yes. deactivate his Instagram yeah. account because he's getting death threats. It, it's it's just stupid to me. There, there's so many variables as to why the Bills lost that game. Like. Or like on that last play, a lot of people were uh, were blasting Josh Allen for not throwing underneath the digs. I think it was just under two minutes on a second and ten. In all reality, Shakir was open in the end zone if he makes a good pass. Unfortunately, he got bumped and it threw off the throw. But it's little things like that and little plays like that that just kind of happen throughout the game. And unfortunately, as well as Josh Allen played, the defense couldn't buy a stop, and it was just. A little bit of everybody that lost that game, not just on Tyler Bass. Unfortunately, he missed that field goal wide right, two of the most infamous words in Bill's history at this point. But yeah. it's not all on him why he lost that game. So knock it off. Nope, nope. I agree one hundred percent. Like, first of all, it's forty-four yard field goal. I think it was forty-four, and it's outdoors, bad condition. That's not a gimme. Again, what you said, Brett. Like, there were multiple opportunities for Josh Allen to pick up a first down, either with his legs or take an under, underneath route or throw a better ball to get either a touchdown or just move the ball forward so they could get a better field goal. And even with all that said, let's say Bass makes the, the kick and it's tied. There's a minute 40-something and two timeouts. Do we really think that Patrick Mahomes is not going to score 
that he's not going to just carve this team up, find ways to get to the 30-yard line or the 25-yard line and have Bucker make a game-winning field goal and rip out Buffalo's heart in a different way. Like Buffalo, regardless of that kick, was going to lose because they left way too much time for Patrick Mahomes to do his thing. He was super hot. He knows the moment. He's not going to shrink from it. And Bucker is a good kicker, and especially in outdoors. They were going to win that game. Absolutely, they were going to win that game. It was not Bass's fault. And the fact that Bills fans are doing death threats is bad. It's trash. The fact that Bills fans brought found snow and were throwing snowballs at Patrick Mahomes, like, dude, grow up. Like, come on. That's just sore loser. And, yeah, we get it. You're, you're heartbroken. You're, uh, could say, cursed franchise. But, come on. Lose with some freaking class. That was That made me really mad. Come on. You're better than yeah, that Bills Mafia. I, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, Bills Mafia could have had a better showing, but that's that's kind of the that's like the good and the bad of Bills Mafia. Like the good, they jump to the tables, they'll they'll donate money and all this kind of stuff. The bad is they'll throw snowballs, they'll throw uh, what was it like? There's a Patriots game, and there's some questionable items that were thrown onto the field. So you know they. They they just are who they are, but yeah, I agree. The the throwing the stuff, the snow at Mahomes as he's running off was not a good look. Uh, so John's question, I guess, before we move on to the next topic, the Bills window closed, and I guess I'd have to the second part would be, did you think the Bills had a window to begin with? I thought the Bills window was closed last year. Uh, okay. I, I really did with with how they showed up against Cincinnati and got their their teeth kicked in in that game at home. I, de- I was like, their window's done. They're, they can still be good. They can still try and win games uh, and be competitive, but Super Bowl window is closed. And I feel like this is definitely just sealing that window completely shut. You, there's only so many gut, gut-wrenching, gut losses you can take year to year before it just destroys the morale of, of the team. They're going to be good. They're going to find ways to win. And they can retool this roster, and, and the Bills can be good and have another window while Josh Allen is still on this team. But this current iteration with the players and the coaching staff that they have, I think the window's, window's closed. You, you can't keep losing like this and just come back stronger. It's it's too it's too mentally taxing. Yeah, that, I agree. I think the window's slammed shut at this point with this iteration, especially since we have a situation now. I think Josh Allen's new contract kicks in next year. Great point. The Buffalo Bills contract space for next year, their cap space, I mean, negative 43 million. So nice. they're going to have to start restructuring, cutting people. Like there's going to be a lot of work just to break even to even sign their own draft class. It's possible, but you can't really add much talent to this core. In fact, you're just going to start losing people. So I don't see how this current iteration can get any better. Yeah, I, I agree that. The, this current group, yeah, they're, they're going to have to make some changes if they want to uh, have the feeling that they're going to get to a Super Bowl. Because as we've seen, if they run to the Chiefs, they're going to lose that. And we don't know what these losses are going to do once they reach this level again, even if it's against another team. They may just think that they're just destined to lose because of the bass kick and how much they how much emphasis they're putting on that. The same way when they lost to the Chiefs last time, it was all about, oh, the overtime rules and all this kind of stuff. It's like, stop making excuses for why you lost and make the necessary changes to your team to make yourselves better. Do you think McDermott comes back? 
I kind of think he does. I think he does too. He is going to be probably the number one guy in the hot seat to start next season. I, I think him and Sirianni are coming back. I mean, all indications mm-hmm. are Sirianni is coming back, and they're going to be the hot seat coaches. I think McDermott, like you have a good quarterback. Josh Allen, for all of his lows, his highs are fantastic. I, I think if the Bills don't make the AFC Championship game at a minimum, then McDermott's fired. Like He has to make the title game, bare minimum, next season to keep his job. Yeah. I mean, Damien's just coming for everybody. He wants Herbert gone. He wants Josh Allen gone. He's not on the Jordan Love hype because – all he did was beat the Cowboys. Like, really? Uh, yeah, only beat the number four ranked defense. Only <laughs> threw 20 touchdowns to one interception in the last second half of the season. Only was 11 touchdowns, one interception, like 1,600 yards against the Bulls. Yeah, he was, he was pretty good, though. Only like the best quarterback in the second half of the year. Oh, Damien. Damien, like, do, do you want to start talking about fields? Do you do you want us to open up that wagon? Is and look, oh, he, I, I'm not gonna. He I'm not gonna that in the chat. He said we are not trading fields. Yeah. He knows. Like I know, me and Kyle, I, I you know, we've talked about this in the off season before you came on, Brett. We both want Justin Fields to succeed, but like mm-hmm. I, I could say some pretty some things if we're going that route. Like, come hey, on, man. I've seen Bears fans talk bad about that last Jordan Love throw. Do I need to remind you guys that Justin Fields threw an interception against a zero man rush? <laughs> right at Aiden Hutchinson. So, like, you can say a lot of things about Doran Love, but he's already put up a better season in one year than Justin Fields has in three. So what does that say about Justin Fields if Jordan Love is so bad? That's the guy you want to keep? Love the takes, Damian. Love you having here, but <laughs> come on. we got got to be a little unbiased here, man. All right, let's go on to the next topic, but a word from the network. What's up, everybody? It's Control Simpson with Wire to Wire Sports Podcast, where we're going to cover all things breaking news, sports related. We're going to preview games, and we're also going to give you our reaction to the games that have happened before. You can catch us on Wednesdays from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. And if you miss us there, no worries. You can also catch us on Roku with Northeast Streaming Sports Productions from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Hey, and listen, if you're not into all sports and just NFL, we have Sideline to Sideline. That's on Thursday nights from 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to 8 p.m. We'll break down the NFL week, the Thursday night game, and we'll preview all NFL action. And if you're like me and college football is your fix, tune in every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. for Coast to Coast College Football Pregame Show. We'll review the previous week's action, the day's biggest games. We'll give you our pick and we'll even give you some teams that are on upset alert. And if you don't catch us live, you can download us on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to your podcast. We do also have a YouTube station, Wire to Wire Sports Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Woo. I mean, <laughs> we all picked the same picks. So at least yeah. Kyle can be like, hey, it didn't do worse than you guys this week. I mean, that's, that's what happens. Oh. When you agree with me, you lose on the field. There we go. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so we all went one and three. We all got the Packers right. And everything else, no. Big no on that one. I mean, it is what it is. It happens. I've had a whole season like this. It's all good. So, going in to championship weekend, uh, Jake, you are 46, 42, and two. Uh, Brett, 25, 22, and one. And it doesn't matter what I am. It's 
Those are just numbers in a in a certain order. Don't even worry about it. Uh, Thirty six fifty three and one. It's all good. Uh well, Sajan asks, "What do you want for Fields?" Uh, he doesn't want anybody. Fields is better than everybody. And George was telling you, Brett, get him. Sorry, right, let's. We got some more games to talk about. Actually, this kind of goes back to divisional round because we I did forget this, but just like we do with the wild card round, um, who had the best weekend, whether it's a player or team, and then who had the worst? I think we could probably all guess who had the worst, but uh, I'll let you go ahead and and give yours. We'll start with you, Jake. So, which yeah. player or team had the best weekend? Player or team had the worst weekend. I'm just going to say the Bills had the worst weekend. This was their chance to to get to the Super Bowl, to finally, you know, win in this rivalry, beat Patrick Mahomes, beat the Chiefs. Everything was set up for them. I, I get it. The Bills' defense was really banged up. They had a ton of injuries. But the Chiefs lost, like, three key guys within, like, the first five minutes of the game. Like, they were really banged up, too. And you had all the momentum. Josh Allen was really killing it. And just... It just fell apart. Just wasn't it. It's not on the kicker, like we said before. And for Bills fans that are listening, I don't want to go too hard into this. But like, come on, like, this was their best chance to beat Patrick Mahomes, and they still, they still lost. Uh, as far as for for winners, I, I'm gonna say, like I want to say Baltimore because they just look so dominant. But I'm gonna go for Detroit. I, I feel like Detroit was in a really easy position to have a chance to kind of not show up to, to play a bad game to start poorly. You had their first playoff win since the nineties. You're hosting another playoff game. You had this huge emotional high last week when you beat uh, Matt Stafford and the Rams, it's super easy to let that, that high just come crashing down and fall apart and play a poor game, or at least start really bad. The, the lions, they stayed with it. It was a super exciting game. Now they're going to the NFC championship game. And I just feel like they've got, everybody who doesn't have a, a, a dog in this, the postseason that's left is rooting for Detroit. Like any, like for me, like all, there's not, my team's not in here. There's no teams that I hate that I'm rooting against. Like I'm rooting for Detroit. It's a great story. And I think they're the big winners. Oh, see, like, that's not fair because I think that was like the two perfect answers for this exercise. I don't think there's a bigger loser. <laughs> bad. No, you're good. I just don't think there's a bigger loser than Buffalo. Like, who can you really argue? You can't argue Green Bay because they competed with the best team in the NFC and they showed that they belonged. So, like, you can try to argue Houston because they got blown out, but it's the same scenario in which they were 10.5-point underdogs anyway. Like, the fact that they competed for as long as they did is impressive. So I'm going to have to go with the same answer as you. I think the biggest loser is Buffalo because their window got slammed shut. And, um, yeah, the biggest winner is Detroit. First NFC championship game for them, I think, maybe, I think ever. It, it's unfortunate that it ends next week into the 49ers, but. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one quick way to put it as far as, like, for the losers, like, of the four losers that are here, like, the four teams that lost, there's only really one team that's feeling crushed, like, one of my best friends is a Packers fan, and he's pissed they lost the way that they did. But, Brett, like you said, you're you're happy with the season. You got your quarterback. You're going to have a great year next year. Houston, if we would have said, hey, Houston, you're going to go 7-10, uh, and 10 and CJ Stroud's going to be a stud, they would have been super happy. 
but instead they mm-hmm. won like 10 regular season games, won the division and won a playoff game. Like it didn't matter how, what the score was like Houston, Texas fans are super happy and the bucks, they were, I thought they'd be bad. I was super wrong on them and, and they competed. They looked really good. They had a whole bunch of dead cat money. No one expected them to win a playoff game. And I feel bad for Baker Mayfield because he threw that last pick, but he's going to get paid. He's going to come back. It's Buffalo. Like, the other three teams, they they feel good about their season. Buffalo is the only team that's left that feels bad about their season. Yeah, like Joy said, only yeah. one went out bad. Yeah, that's definitely a good point. I, mean, I was going to say, you know, the, the Chiefs had a really good weekend because I think the perception of them, and like I said a little earlier, that, you know, they weren't that good of a team. They were limping into the playoffs. It just shows you a team that's been here, and knows what it takes to win, can rise above the the nice shiny new toy in the Bills that a lot of people thought were probably going to get their first their first chance to knock off the Chiefs, but the Chiefs just had that will to win and they got it done. And yeah, the loser was obviously the Bills, but uh, I think as Jory and John said, the Cowboys and their fans have to sit here and see a Lions team make it to where they haven't been in forever. So I love Cowboys it. fans are actually probably I, I the biggest like, losers of the weekend, and I love it. So, I love like how how bad are you looking at if you're a Cowboys fan, just being like Detroit? Like Detroit's yeah. been the worst team, you know. It's Detroit and Cleveland have been the worst teams in the league since you know the since its turn of the century, and Detroit's made an NFC Championship game before us. Like that's that that's sad, and Detroit's a way way more. Uh, promising destination for other players to go to than Dallas is like Detroit has everything going for them. Say, the Packers have more wins in AT&T stadium in the playoffs than the Cowboys. I think that's <laughs> to be depressed about too. They have two, the Packers have three. Let's see. There, there you go. go. Bad weekend all around for Cowboys fans. Gotta love it. on here is going to shed a tear for him. Nope. All right. So let's go on. I believe this is Brett's game here. Lamar Jackson or who for the would you rather? Because this is something that, that came up out of, I think I made some comment or something in our chat and Brett was like, we got to do Lamar or who. So Brett, go ahead and take it away. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls in the chat, would you rather Lamar Jackson or that's, I'm not sure I can. Oh, I thought there were slides. There's no slides? Oh, no, no. Oh. Because I, oh. I didn't know who you are going to bring up, so I was going to yep. let you just fire them off. Yeah, my bad. I thought there were slides. All right. I'm going to try to start with make it somewhat difficult. You got Lamar Jackson or Joe Burrow. And is this for for going forward, like the rest of their career, not just for one season? The next, the next five years. Next five years? Burrow. I'm I'm going for Burrow. That one makes me think a little bit. I, I, I do really like everything that Lamar has, but I I just trust Joe Burrow more in the playoffs. Playing All right, no, I, I agree. I think he's a better thrower. Well, before we go no. to the next one, so chat, this kind of came up because I am like the resident Lamar hater. So <laughs> we're trying to see how deep that hate goes. So, all right, go ahead. So Burrow was the first one. I'm taking Burrow. To be clear, I'm not even mentioning Patrick Mahomes. That's too obvious. Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen? <laughs> I want Kyle to go first on this one. Kyle is the thing about this one. 
I would go. You know what? I'll go Lamar. Because I, I feel like Lamar will be safer with the ball than Josh Allen. So I'll, I'll take Lamar. I'm taking Lamar Jackson, and I'll I'll say this point here. I think there are three quarterbacks in the league that when they're at their absolute ceiling, their very, very best, are completely uh, unstoppable, and are you could make the argument that they're the best quarterbacks when their game is at their very best. It's Mahomes, it's Allen, and it's Lamar. Those are the three guys that, because of their mobility, their athleticism, and what they can do throwing the ball, I feel like when those guys are on their A game, they're they're unstoppable. The problem is Josh Allen's floor when he's bad can cost you games way more than what Lamar is going to do. And and so that's why and we kind of saw that where he went for home run balls as opposed to just taking the first down. I'm going to take Lamar and I, I like what he's done. I feel like Kyle, you said it great. He's going to protect the ball a lot better than what we're what you could get from uh, Josh Allen. All right. All right. Here we go. Here, we're going to start really testing how low you'll go, Kyle. All right, yeah. I love it. Lamar Jackson or Jalen Hurts? Mm. I would go, oh man, that's that's uh I might go slightly Lamar. I, I think because I just think Lamar is the better athlete and yeah, I'll, I'll go Lamar. I'll take Lamar slightly over over Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Oh, oh you're muted. Oh, you Jake. Thanks. Appreciate that. If this was at, uh, last year, it was no question. It was Jalen Hurts. I thought Jalen Hurts last year was a top three quarterback at worst, but this year it showed that Jalen Hurts really is dependent on a great offensive coordinator and great schemes to help him really be successful. And he had great numbers, but. This season just completely fell apart. I'm going to take Lamar. I do think he's the better athlete. He's, I, I don't worry about, like Lamar has an injury history, but I don't worry about him getting hurt and what needs him to be successful. Like Jalen Hurts is going to get hurt more as he's trucking people over. And I just, I trust, I just trust Lamar a little bit more. He, I think he has a better arm. I think he can make better reads because I just don't think that, that the Eagle, that Jalen Hurts can move off of multiple reads really well just yet. And we've had, just one really good uh, Hurts year where his team was really successful. I know they had, you know, 11 wins, but that Eagles team fell apart and he was the leader. So I'm going to take Lamar. All right. All right. We got a, we got a Hurts and we got a couple Jacksons for that one. And Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen are the same QB. Okay. Um, I only got a couple more. I only got a couple more for you guys. Don't worry, but uh, let's okay. see. We got Lamar Jackson. Or Justin Herbert? Oh, Lamar. I'm taking Lamar. Justin Herbert is a really good quarterback, and I would love to have... Also, I'd have any of these quarterbacks over Derek Carr, just for the record as a Saints fan. Like, give me any of these dudes over freaking Derek Carr. But Justin Mm -hmm. Herbert, like, can you win a playoff game? Can you do something in the postseason? His stats have looked generally the same since his rookie year. He's had really, really good talent that he's gotten to throw to and just hasn't made that improvement, hasn't made that growth, or we've seen that with Lamar, where you watch him play, and it's like, man, even if your box score doesn't look great, you just he looks better, and he's playing really well, so I'm taking Lamar. You're going to pick yeah. Herbert. 
No, I, I guess I'd have to take Lamar. Like, Herbert definitely is the better passer, but it's just like something just isn't clicking. Now, maybe a lot of that was the Staley effect. Sure. And we'll have to see if now that they've moved past that, does he become a better quarterback? But for right now, I feel like I, I know what I will get from Lamar. Herbert, I, I still think there's a question, so I'll take Lamar. All right, last one. I got this one for you. Now, I want to be clear. We're going to imagine these guys are paid the same, so let's not take contract into this one. Okay. Lamar Jackson or C.J. Stroud? Oh, I'll take C.J. You're taking C.J. after one year? Yes. I, I love C.J. Stroud. Give me C.J. Stroud. Man, Brett, why you got to do CJ dirty like this, man? Like, come on. I love CJ. I'm so happy for him. I need to see another year. Like, you have to see another year to make sure this isn't just a one-year fluke. Man, I'm taking Lamar, but I feel really bad about it. Like, because I love CJ Stroud. I love everything that he does. But Lamar is a proven commodity, and I want to see one more year out of CJ. Oh, gosh. But then again, if I'm a GM and I have a choice between these two, that's a really hard move to explain to an owner and to fans with how what we've seen from C.J. Stroud. I hate this one. Shockingly, Jake, you and Sajan are the only ones that want Lamar Jackson. Everybody else said C.J. Stroud. I want to choose Stroud, but I just need to see another year. I need to see another year to make sure he doesn't fall off a cliff. And I don't think he will, but it's just Mm -hmm. I need to see one more year. Yeah. Thought about doing a couple more, but I feel like once I'm starting to get into that range of quarterbacks where there's absolutely no way you'd take him over Lamar. <laughs> yeah, we get to like the Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins. It's like we're just we're just insulting those quarterbacks. Like, come on. Damian, Lamar Jackson or Justin Fields. There we go. <laughs> I love Damian. I love you tuning in every week, by the way. All right. All right. So we'll get to our Last topic, which is basically just the picks, but one last word from the network. And this is Chris from Coffee and Sports, the morning show over on Sports Empire Network. And this is Mo. Catch us on Northeast Streaming Sports Production, Monday through Thursday, 9 to 10 a.m. We hope to see you there. So all of Damien. <laughs> all right so that's you know coffee and sports get your day started great show with uh chris and mo make sure you check them out Uh, check them out tomorrow morning uh all right so only got two games afc championship game is where we're going to start we have the chiefs traveling to baltimore to face the ravens the ravens are a three and a half point favorite at home how do we see this game going jake start us off I think this game is going to be really good. I think both teams are going to be very competitive. It's going to be a very physical game. I'm taking Baltimore to win and to cover. I, I think if both teams are healthy, this then the Chiefs at least cover. But the Chiefs have lost a lot of dudes. There's a lot of guys that are that are that are hurting. They either they're either going to play and be injured, or they're just not going to play. And Baltimore feels like they're unbelievably healthy. They had that you know they had the bye, and then they had a pretty easy game against Houston. They're at home. And I think everything's pointing for Baltimore to to take over. Their offense is going to be humming. And I think the Chiefs defense, you can run on them. You can go over the middle. And that's kind of where Baltimore thrives. And then the other concern I have is, is look, 
Patrick Mahomes looked really good against the Baltimore's defense, but that defense was, you know, hanging on by duct tape at some positions with just barely any linebackers at all. Baltimore's defense is ferocious. Patrick Mahomes is going to be running for his life. The receivers are going to be getting jammed a lot. There's going to be really physical play. There's probably going to be a lot more drops. I don't think they're going to be able to get as much out of Pacheco as they were, as they did uh, this past week against Buffalo, and that's really going to affect them. So I take Baltimore to win outright and to cover. All right, Brett, do you agree? You know what? If there's something that I've learned, it's uh, don't doubt Patrick Mahomes. I'll uh, I'll take the Chiefs to I'll take the Chiefs to win and to cover. I think this will be a good game, but at the end of the day, I know all logic right now says that I should be going Baltimore. Their their defense is elite. They're the main catalyst as to why this team is doing as well as it is. But at the end of the day. Something it always tells me just don't doubt Patrick Mahomes. So I think even if the Chiefs do lose, they cover. So give me Kansas City. Okay. So for me, as the previous segment showed you, I'm a Lamar hater. So there's two ways that the rest of these playoffs play out that probably the sick mind that I have probably give me joy. It's either the Ravens win this, lose heartbreaking fashion in the Super Bowl. I laugh. They lose here. I laugh. So, you know, we'll see how that plays out. But part of me does think that because of the defense that Baltimore has, I, I could see them giving Kansas City a lot of trouble. I mean, that the linebackers that they have with Queen and um, uh, Roquan Smith are just really good. I think the secondary, you can – Throw on them a little bit because they have a tendency to, to try to make the big play. I'm really torn on this one. But I could also see the Ravens winning by a field goal because they do like uh, winning that way. Justin Tucker coming out, kicking a field goal to win it, which would mean the Chiefs cover. I, I'm going to go against my, my sick mind. I'll take the Ravens minus the three and a half. I'll say the Ravens get it done. I did start this by saying the playoffs, this is the year that if the Ravens are going to do it. It has to be this year. Well, so we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll take the Ravens, which probably lets you know what the second part of the sick part of my mind has for the Ravens come the Super Bowl. But we'll, we'll I, don't, I don't like going against Mahomes, but this Ravens team. It, it's That's also the thing. It's like there was – AC title games where the Patriots go, you'd be like, oh, the Patriots don't have a chance, and Brady would find a way to get it done. Then again, my picks are trash anyway, so this might yeah, be can my I change way. The pick? <laughs> this might be my way of sabotaging the Ravens anyway. So give me the Ravens minus the three and a half. There you go. I, I will say if the Chiefs want to put themselves in a position to win, they better make sure they're up four more going into that final drive that the Ravens get. Yeah. Keep Justin Tucker out of the equation because he will absolutely win that game or send it to overtime. Yep, I agree. John gets it. <laughs> oh, God, Kyle chose the Ravens. That means the Chiefs definitely going to win with his last <laughs> record on the show. Bet the house. Bet the house. Absolutely. Uh, Side just said the Ravens by five, and Damian said Chiefs by a missed field goal. So missed field goal is bold. Yeah. I mean, Bucker. I take Damian. Not right. I'd imagine Chiefs by a missed field goal. He's meaning Tucker's missing a field goal. That's how, that's how I take it too. And 
Oh, okay, okay, I got you. Yeah, that is bold, and I that's, love it. That's even bolder than Butker missing one. It's Tucker missing yep. one. All right, Damien, if that happens, we'll, we'll remember it. All right, so let's go to the other side. Got the Lions and the Niners. Lions traveling to San Francisco, where the Niners are a touchdown favorite. So a larger spread in the NFC than the AFC. So how do we see this one going? Uh, Jake, go ahead and start us off again. Man, so with this one, it's tough because I was not impressed with San Francisco last week at all. Like, I get the Green Bay is a good team and they're playing really well, but San Francisco did not have a good showing. If this was a neutral field, I'd feel a lot better about Detroit, but Detroit doesn't travel super well. I'm still going to take Detroit to cover. Uh, I think they, I think Detroit has a really good chance to win. They definitely have. There are some teams where it's like they're a team of destiny. Like no matter what happens, they're just going to win. Like when the Saints won it in 2009, it was, you know, shortly after Katrina, it's like, this is just a team of destiny. Sometimes it just happens. And uh, I think Detroit covers bare minimum. I, I think they pull off the upset. I think Dan Campbell's going to have them ready to go. I worry about their defense, but I think Brock Purdy's going to, he's going to have a chance to, to redeem himself. And I just think it's, it's not going to happen. So give me, Give me Detroit to win this game outright. I worry about the the Niners offensive line with that pass rush. I know they got Trent Williams, but Brock Purdy had a lot of pressure in his face uh, on uh, this past weekend, and I think Detroit's going to do the same. Give me the 49ers to win, but the Lions to cover. I think the I think the big difference from this week and last week with Purdy is there will be raining. It's apparently going to be 68 and sunny. You won't have trouble gripping the football. I know that was a big issue with him last week. So I think he'll have a much easier time getting it to his playmakers. I think this is going to be a battle. I think Dan Campbell has his guys ready to go. But I think what's going to happen is the same way that uh, put same thing that put Campbell on the map, being overly aggressive, is going to cost him. He's going to go for a fourth down when he shouldn't. It's going to come back to bite him in the end, and the 49ers – Pull it out and go to the Super Bowl. Uh, let's see. John, pull up the lines, but I feel like their secondary is their weakness. And then Damien, 49ers by a triple doink. So all three. Damien's just calling for like crazy action to end both games. Okay, Damien, I'm here for it. I'm going to go the Niners minus the seven. I, 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 I just think. The conditions that are, are there are, you know, going to help Purdy because they've spent way too much time on the wet football in his hand and everything like that. The only thing that's giving me, like, hesitation is, you know, some of the throws that Purdy made last week were a little troubling. Does he continue that against the Lions team? But I, I just think that they, understanding that they're now one step away from the Super Bowl, I think we're going to see a much better Niners team. I think the Lions will hang with them for a little bit. But I could see this being like a 30-20 Niners win. Or maybe like a 28-17 Niners win. Where the score might make it seem like a, a blowout of sorts, but uh, I think it might be a late score by the Niners to pull further ahead. So I think the Lions will make it definitely interesting. Player of the game, St. Brown. Okay. I can see that because, look, everyone talks about the San Francisco's defense. You can throw 
on the 49ers. Like they're secondary. They have some good dudes, but you can throw on them. And I could easily say St. Brown just having a monster game. Or, I mean, San Francisco got a hard time, had a hard time stopping the run. And who looked awesome last week was Gibbs. Like Gibbs looked yeah. absolutely fantastic. So they're for Detroit to win, they're going to have to bring it all. They're going to have to give everything that they have because uh, they're on the road. And I, I do worry about that defense. But sometimes it feels like this is a team of destiny. All right. Yeah, appreciate Sajin. Now you say you're off to the rest of your TBL. So definitely appreciate you tuning in. But uh, there you go. We, I don't think either one of us have the same two picks. So Jake has Ravens, Lions. Brett has Chiefs, Lions. I have Ravens, 49ers. So we'll see how how our picks. How's going for the for the conspiracy? <laughs> what can I say? I like to feed in to to the conspiracy, or well, maybe I'm just cursing both teams, so then the conspiracy just dies on on the line. There we go. All right, according to John, bet your house on uh, the Chiefs to cover over the Ravens. And if you lose, it's John's fault, not mine. If, if I if I, I lose, can John give me a refund? <laughs> you got to work that out with him. Bring out <laughs> the voodoo doll. There we go. <laughs> all right. All right. Those are all the topics we had. Um, appreciate all of you in the chat. John, Jory, Damien, uh, Sajin, Anthony. Uh, I know there's some others, but uh, I'm totally I'm missing it right now. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed the games this weekend. I, I mean, as we're wrapping this up, you guys put your Super Bowl matchup down in the chat would love to see what you guys think uh but brett you have anything before we get out of here yeah i'm just looking forward to a great weekend of football and no matter how disappointing the packers ending of the season was they have an extremely bright future and next year is going to be awesome so i'm looking forward to next year yeah just jake just give me great football like all four of these teams are i'm not rooting for anyone it's super hard not rooting against anyone i just want good football uh, I want great games. I want moments that are going to get me up and, and cheering and screaming, like, especially like with that Chiefs-Bills game that just we could talk about forever. Give me some of that because before long, it's going to be a very cold winter without any football, and we're all going to be very sad. Yeah, uh, that's definitely true. Uh, I guess for me, it's – come on, Gerard Mayo. Give me, give me the offensive coordinator. I see you interviewed Zach Robinson and a couple of guys. I'm intrigued. Uh, John says, see Kirk Cousins going to another team. His contract is up. If Belichick gets the job in Atlanta, Kirk Cousins to Atlanta. I'm throwing oh, it I can see there. that. I can see that. Yeah. I uh, hope Interim does another video pleading pretty to let the Lions win. Okay. <laughs> All right, Damien. <laughs> Damien, look, uh, put your head on the pillow and, and have a nice nap or something. Because <laughs> you out here going crazy. No, we definitely appreciate you, Damien. You, you're, you're a funny guy. Uh, but yeah, so make sure you guys check us out every Tuesday, 7 p.m. Uh, right here on Sports Empire Network. If you do want to watch a replay of it, you go over to Northeast Streaming Sports Productions on Roku TV. You can check us out there uh, tomorrow morning. Not to, actually tomorrow afternoon. I think we're on at one now over there. Uh, so yeah, check us out over there. But like, subscribe, share, all the good stuff here in the network. A lot of great shows coming up. Appreciate all of you. So for myself, Brett, and Jake, we're out of here. Good night. Enjoy the rest of it. And like Jake said, enjoy the games this weekend. We'll see you guys next week. Bye.